the Sunday Sermons Podcast. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us through life. He wants to empower us to know God's will and to actually accomplish it. This is what we're looking at over the next several weeks. We began last week on this journey together called Listen to the Spirit. And it's so much more that there's so much more there than most of us ever imagined. That so many Christians, we, we talk a lot about God the Father, God the Son, and stuff that happens in the past. And, and, and all of those are beautiful, and none of what the Spirit does now is possible without what God has done in the past, especially through Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. But what God wants to do right now is through His Spirit. His very presence among us. His essence among us. His His intangible but yet still somehow tangible presence among us that's why Paul says so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves throughout the scripture the terms that are used in the original languages that talk about righteousness justice what God considers good what God considers holy they're actually archery terms they have to do with aiming at a very specific bullseye and hitting it. And the terms that are used to talk about wickedness and sin, they, they tend to, they're, almost all of them are archery terms. They, they talk about missing the mark or veering off the path or getting lost. The idea of God actually guiding us through life is keeping us on track, keeping us aiming together, keep all of us aiming at the same target at the same time. The devil loves to get us off track. And all the things in our sinful nature, all the things that are listed in Galatians 5, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, and he lists all those things. Those are just the anything that will get us off that path. But when we follow God's Holy Spirit, we see the fruit of the Spirit every time. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things swirl around together. They are the fruit of the Spirit. But we're unpacking them one by one as we go right now. Peace is where we're at today. And peace, as Jesus himself said, we'll look at that verse together in a moment, is not the kind of peace that we think of in the world. If you look up the world, the word peace in a dictionary, an English dictionary, you're going to get one of two definitions, usually both. A state of tranquility, calm, quiet, or rest, or an absence of conflict. And if that's what we expect from God when he says he's going to give us peace, a lot of times we're kind of disappointed. Because we don't always have an absence of conflict, do we? In fact, I don't think we ever do. And sometimes we have a state of tranquility and calm and quiet and rest. And sometimes that's even in the midst of a storm and things that we can't understand and things that we don't get at all, things that we don't like. But that's not really the essence of what we, this concept of peace in the Bible. The concept of peace has to do much more with wholeness, with a bunch of parts coming together. With things being complete. It, it, when used in its verb form, it means to restore, to reconcile. It's kind of like a puzzle. Anybody here like to do puzzles? 
few people? Okay, the rest of you bear with us. At least you'll get the metaphor. But those who like it, like puzzles, you'll at least, you'll really get this. There's something amazing when you dump like 300 pieces on a table. And it's just mass chaos. But little by little, working together with some other people, you, you, it starts to make a little more sense. And there's still chaos. But man, when you get to that final piece, you know what I'm talking about? And you put that last piece in. There's like, that's how it's supposed to be. It's done. We got it done. We all worked together. We, got, we accomplished it. Look, there's the whole picture. We found all the pieces. How many have ever gotten really angry because you got to that point and there wasn't a final piece? Has this ever happened to you guys? I mean, yeah, oh, that's just terrible. But this is, this is, that concept is, is at the bottom of every other connotation of the word peace throughout the scripture. The concept of wholeness, completeness, restoration, reconciliation, teamwork, unity. When Jesus says that he gives us a peace that's not like the peace the world gives, when the Holy Spirit is going to produce peace in our lives, whatever the feelings may be, they're rooted in this concept. We've got to remember that. And then all of the other really familiar verses that sometimes don't make sense actually start making a little sense. For example, around Christmas time, you've probably heard this, Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, he lists a whole bunch of titles, including Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Look around the world. Has there been no conflict since Jesus showed up on this planet? Is every day just peaceful and tranquil and just zen? No. But look at what happens next in that same prophecy. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Did Jesus create reconciliation with God? Did he establish that? Is he still upholding it? Absolutely. And the zeal of God, the, the passion of God, the essence of God, the, the, the core everything of God, which is what the Holy Spirit represents, that part of God, he does accomplish that even now. This one makes more sense when you understand this as well. Jesus himself said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world longs for peace. We all long for peace. But what we often settle for is just a feeling of peace, an illusion of peace. Something that feels like peace when you swallow it or drink it, or smoke it, or do it. But that's not what Jesus is promising. He's talking about actually helping us connect with what we were created to be part of. Helping us connect with God and with each other in ways that only He can do. But this concept, we know it. Our hearts cry out for it. Our souls cry out for it. And that's why most of the stories that we tell each other, most of the timeless stories have something to do with peace. For example, The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz is kind of a creepy story, honestly, isn't it? It's, kind of, it's just strange and weird. 
But at the end of that story, this one has stuck around for a long, long time. People still tell and retell it. People love the movie no matter how weird it is. And here's why, I believe. At the end of that story, everybody gets the biblical sense of peace. The tin man gets a heart. The scarecrow gets his brain. The cowardly lion gets his courage. Dorothy gets to go home. All the bad guys are dead. All the good guys are back in town. Are you with me? Everything, everything resolves exactly how it was supposed to resolve. Even the Wizard of Oz is exposed, but also he gets to go home. And it, it's just all, everything goes back to the way it was supposed to be. There's something that calls to us out of stories like that. And there's a reason there are so many cliches in movies. There's a reason that so many times you're watching a movie and you go, I think I've seen this story before. Am I the only one? Anybody else? Think about it. Everybody cop movie there's ever been. Every single one. You know what's going to happen. Two people that don't get along are going to get put together. They're going to fight. It's not going to go well. They'll gain a little bit of respect for each other. And then just when things are going really well, something really bad's going to happen. They're going to break up. And then they're going to get reunited and they're going to beat the bad guy. And they're a team. Every single one of them. You with me? And you think about romantic comedies, sports movies, procedural crime dramas. Oh my goodness gracious. Every single one. Somebody gets killed. The team gets together. We all know that the hero is the smartest detective there is. And move on. Next. Same story again. How about this one? Have you ever seen those reunion videos that people post on, online? Total strangers to us, but people are coming back from being on, uh, uh, deployed somewhere, and they come back, and they get to see their family, or they get to see their dog. And we're tearing up. We don't know them. We don't really care about the dog. But there's something about that. You're like, oh, there they are. They're back together again. Look how happy they are. Right? It's because our hearts cry out for that. Our souls cry out for that. We're drawn to this concept, this idea of peace. I told you last week, one of my greatest joys in life is to explore stories with my family and then unpack them together to talk about where the truth is in that, where the joy is in that, where the, where the gospel is even in that. And we find it sometimes in unlikely places. One of our favorites is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the whole thing put together. Any other Marvel fans out there? Okay, a couple of you. The rest of you, I think this will still make sense. I hope. I think it will. But in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they did something that nobody else has ever tried. They tied all of their movies together, and they continue to do so. All the shows, everything, it all is one great big story. That's pretty impressive. As somebody who loves stories, loves writing stories. And all, over the course of 10 years, in real time and in the movie time, they built this elaborate story that, that culminated in a movie called Avengers Endgame. And in Avengers Endgame, they, it begins where there's been five years since half of everybody on earth has disappeared, including a lot of the heroes. They feel completely defeated. They don't think there's any hope. And as the story goes, they keep trying several more things. They keep trying to do anything. They're desperately trying to find a way to fix what's been broken, to bring everybody else back. They're desperate. They're trying to travel through time. They're trying everything. And it gets to the point... Where Captain America, at least have you heard of Captain America? Okay, Captain America is standing there alone against this super powerful bad guy. 
And as far as he knows, he's totally alone. He has no idea that the rest of them are coming back and that Dr. Strange who has these round light portals that he can bring everybody, kind of teleport them everywhere through. He has no idea that's about to happen. He misses everybody. And he thinks he's all alone and he's injured. And his shield is broken. But he cinches it up and he starts to walk forward. He's going to go fight the bad guy all alone. There's something inspiring about this. But this scene, in my mind, embodies the scriptural idea of peace more than anything else. I hope it makes sense to you as you watch it. Let's just watch these couple minutes of Avengers Endgame. You can find the clip we showed here on YouTube.com. There's a link in the podcast description. It's not very tranquil, restful, is it? They're, they're going into the battle of their lives. And the very fabric in that world, in that fictional world, everything depends on the, whether they win this fight or not. They all could die in this fight. They don't know what's about to happen next. But here's what they know. Everybody's back together again. And everybody is on the same team. And they are using all of their combined powers and experience and passion in the same direction. They're all aiming at the same target together. They have what was broken has been made complete. What was broken is restored. The people who were been broken apart have been reconciled. And they're all heading together to do what they were supposed to do. And that is the beauty of the biblical concept of peace. It's not necessarily that there's no conflict. It's that we stay on track. That the Holy Spirit of God Himself keeps us all going the same direction. Brings us back when He needs to. Gets us away from all the ways that we've swerved off track. Takes away all the distractions and help us do what needs to be done. And no matter where you are today and what is happening in your heart and in my heart, no matter what is happening, what is broken, I promise you that the God of peace is still on the throne and he can unite us and he can keep us doing what we are called to do if we stay on track and we keep working together yeah it's true amen there's three things we need to do together Three things the Holy Spirit really wants to help us do. This is how. This is the meat of it. This is, this is the practical. Uh, you got the concept, I hope. I don't know how else to bring it home than what we've just did. But this is what we do about it. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do about it. First thing he wants us to do is to make peace with God. To make peace with God. Would you say that out loud with me? Make peace with God. The Holy Spirit will guide you and empower you to seek God, to accept the offer that God has offered to you, to commit yourself to following him to, through Jesus, and then to experience the peace that God made possible through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit wants you to experience this. God and Jesus have made it possible all together. We all have this available no matter the circumstances. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Colossians 1, for God was pleased to have all his fullness. See that? Completeness. Everything how it should be. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That's Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's nothing peaceful about blood being shed. Not the tranquil, no-conflict kind, but there is healing and reconciliation and everybody having a chance to be on the same team with God again. There is that in the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit wants, desperately wants, to help each of us to make peace with God. The second thing that he wants to help you do, to empower you to do, to guide you to do, is to make peace with others. Can you say that? Make peace peace with others he wants to help you make amends to confess your sins to forgive other people for their sins he wants to help you restore justice where justice is missing he wants us to work together to create systems that make sure that justice and righteousness happen in real time over and over again he wants to help us, to empower us, to listen, to empathize, to team up, to pursue common goals together. To experience this kind of unity that we all dream about on a supernatural level that we just can't get to on our own. He dreams about that. And we dream about that whether we know it or not. Our hearts cry out for it. Our spirits cry out for it. Shola Richards says, we are defined by how we treat each other. I think that's true. How, how you believe should influence how you treat each other, but you can believe something and not act on it. But scripturally speaking, if you really believe, if you have faith, that implies you do something about it. You can't have a scriptural sense of faith and, and not do anything about it. The Spirit wants us to treat each other well. Shola Richards, I got to hear him at the Global Leadership Summit recently. And man, what a blessing that was. In the middle of his talk, he, spoke, he quoted one of my favorite authors ever, which is Brennan Manning. And Brennan Manning says, In every encounter, you either give life or drain it. Would you say that out loud? I want this one to really stick. In every encounter, you either give life or drain it. The Holy Spirit wants to make sure that God's people are giving life in every encounter. He will empower you to do that. He will lead you to do that. And let's not pretend that we don't ever mess up. Let's not pretend that we don't ever have conflicts with each other, that we're never at odds in any way, shape, or form. John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And let's not pretend that that doesn't include confessing our sins to each other as well. To confess and to be forgiven in the scripture is not just a private thing you do with God. If your sin is against someone else, we're expected to confess that to them as well. To make amends with them. And the Holy Spirit will lead you 
and empower you to do that. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, someone who is on the track, someone who is straight up still pursuing the same bullseye that God wants us all to follow. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Ibukun Awusika, another great speaker at the summit. It's, God was, I, I just couldn't believe I was like drinking from a fire hose the whole time. This, this series was all mapped out and I'm going, oh, that one goes there. That one goes there. You're going to hear a lot of quotes. She was amazing. But she said one of the most important equations we've got to remember as we go through life is too much plus too little equals enough. Everybody say that one out loud. Too much plus too little equals enough. And here's the beauty of this. At any given moment, all of us play both parts in one way or another. We all have too much of something. More than we need. We all have too little of something. Less than we need. We were designed to be reconciled. All the puzzle pieces be put together. Everybody on the Avengers to assemble and run in the same direction. Are you with me? And when that happens, we share. We, we make sure nobody is in need anymore because the people with too much share with them. And nobody is, is just being selfish and a terrible person because they are absolutely sharing with others. It all fits together. And that's not just physical wealth. It includes that, of course. But that's emotions. That's, that's resources. That's everything. Fellowship and encouragement and all the gifts of the Spirit that the Spirit gives us. One of the best illustrations of this kind of thing, that it, it, another movie, but this is Toy Story. Please tell me you've seen Toy Story. A few more people. Okay, good. There's more Toy Story fans than Marvel fans. We're about to wrap this up, and I want to make sure this resonates, so I hope you see that. But the whole story of Toy Story, you see Woody, who's generally a pretty cool person. He gets consumed by his fear and his jealousy, and he absolutely just ruins everything. And then he has to go on this quest to try and save Buzz because he accidentally gets him. You know the story, right? But little by little... They both have to deal with the truth about themselves. Woody realizes how wrong he's been. Buzz realizes how blind and ignorant he was. And they both decide to team up to be the toys they were designed to be. They both decide to find unity, to work together, to use both of their collective skill and experience and passion and abilities to actually make Andy happy. Which is what they were designed to do. They were Andy's toys. Is this making sense? Are you seeing this metaphor? And when they united about that, they're flying. No, sorry. They're falling with style. But it works. It works. And it's beautiful. That's the third thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to empower you and lead you, guide you to pursue peace. This is the part that we all play. Everybody say, pursue peace. This doesn't just happen. God the Father, Jesus the Son, makes it possible. God the Holy Spirit empowers us and guides us in those directions. But we have to choose to make peace. We have to choose to pursue peace with God, with others, even within ourselves. We have to make this happen. And we can with his help. 
Both Psalm 34, 14 and 1 Peter 3, 11 use almost the exact same words when it says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Romans 14, 19 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Sometimes all that means when making peace with others is just to empathize instead of demonize. To just listen instead of just wait our turn and get ready to defeat whatever they just said. Sometimes it's just understanding that their heart is crying for wholeness just like our heart does. Their soul is crying for reconciliation with God and others just like ours does, whether they know it or not. And maybe that thing that they're fighting so hard for is the only reason they believe in it is because they really believe that's going to give them this kind of peace. And if they're wrong and we don't even show them enough empathy to just listen for a little bit, they don't have a chance of being led into real peace by the Holy Spirit of God. We've got to learn to listen to the spirit of other people as well. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does that make a little bit more sense? Matthew 5, 9, it's Jesus himself again. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Brothers and sisters, as we wrap up this morning, I want to remind you that that is the key thing that the Holy Spirit does. He is the presence of God with us. When we do what he leads us to do, what he empowers us to do, he is with us. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. But he's there. He's here. One of my favorite worship songs that come out in the last several years is Waymaker, and we're going to sing that together right now because it celebrates those truths. It says, you are here Moving in this place, mending every heart. You are here. You're doing what you said you would do. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. No matter how you feel today, no matter how other things are distracting you, I promise you my heart is breaking this morning too as I pray for our sister June and many other situations that are so close to my heart. But this stuff is real no matter what. This stuff is true no matter what. This stuff is, is something that's supernatural, that's bigger than anything else. And I ask you to come today and celebrate that. 
to experience the presence of God, experience His Holy Spirit. If you need to make a, a decision today, that's always open. We'd love that. If you want to come forward and pray or stay where you are and pray, please do what you need to do, but let's all throw ourselves at the feet of the Waymaker and say, I, I, I need you to be here. Thank you that you are. Let's do that together.